Hello, welcome to the Be Bullish podcast with Alex Ely. I am the CIO of the U.S. Growth Equity Team here on Macquarie, giving you our thoughts about the markets, how to cut through the noise and get to what really matters for investing. You can find us here every other Monday. Um, we do updates on the latest news. We talk about uh, the news that matters. And then we often f- find a topic to talk about uh, that discusses the markets overall or how to think about different parts of equity investing. Okay, the latest uh, Bitcoin again, still hitting new highs, over $60,000 uh, per cryptocurrency, so to speak. We have the IPO of Coinbase today, uh, just incredible, a $100 billion company that's been created. This is a company that provides a platform for investment in cryptocurrencies. All I could say is I would be careful of companies like this. Uh, they're very new, uh, and the amount that they're charging for people to get in and out of cryptocurrencies is extraordinary, com- extraordinary compared to how much it costs to buy and sell an equity or a bond or, or what have you. Uh, in general, we continue to look at Bitcoin uh, on the upside as, as an alternative investment, similar to gold, where there's a scarcity value to it. Um, and, and in fact, uh, cryptocurrencies currently have about the same market cap that gold does. On the downside, uh, we worry there could be a lot of downside here. There's a lot of hype behind uh, crypto. And while there is scarcity, uh, it's really based on nothing other than computing power and the, and the scarcity value that's, that's there. So I would tread ca- cautiously on that. Uh, again, we don't try and call every market, so I don't know that we're experts on Bitcoin, but uh, but we look at a space like that and the action that's happening there um, with that market recently tripling just over the last four months is something to be wary of. Okay, deal volume soaring. Uh, we're seeing more and more deals getting done, people taking advantage of lower rates while we still have them. Uh, the reason this is happening is because rates are low, but also because uh, the end of the pandemic is is coming into view. That's giving people confidence to get work done or, or, or to get deals done. Uh, I don't know if you saw seen, but we've seen, um, in essence, uh, early workers at, at Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan complaining about 100-hour weeks. They're really stressing their labor force there to get as many deals done as they can. Goldman reported today, really a, a fantastic quarter. Uh, when the banks are doing well, it's good overall, but it just in general, we're seeing high, high deal volumes out there. Uh, the tax proposal, this is another thing was launched last week by Biden. In essence, they're talking about increasing taxes for the rich and increasing corporate taxes in order to play, uh, pay for the uh, infrastructure bill and the stimuluses that they've already announced just 100 days into his, his presidency. Um, interestingly, we saw Jeff Bezos, uh, the CEO of Amazon, come to the support of higher corporate taxes. We kind of think this is a joke. I mean, my goodness, Amazon hasn't shown earnings in decades. They show a nominal amount of earnings today, but increasing corporate taxes for Jeff Bezos, it really doesn't even matter. So the fact that he's chiming in is is kind of funny. Uh, Another item here that we've experienced this week is the Johnson and Johnson vaccine pause. In essence, what happened here is we had six different people out of the millions of vaccines that were given that developed blood clots a couple weeks after they were given a vaccination. As a result, the FDA is is pausing on those vaccination efforts of uh, Johnson & Johnson's drug here. Um, Something like this happens, and the news media trots it out. They create all kinds of anxiety that we're not going to come to the pandemic as well, that the vaccinations are going to slow down, and to be worried. 
It's all a mistake. Pfizer and Moderna have come out and said that they'll be offering larger amounts of supply over the next month to fill in the gap. And Johnson Johnson has already highlighted that they'll be able to have other remedies for these blood clots that are happening and make it so that they can put their vaccine back on track. Rates uh, and interest rates in general, people have been concerned about this. Uh, not as concerned anymore. I talked about it being a non-issue as rates have moved up from about 60 basis points up to the 1.62% they are today on the 10-year T-bond. Again, the news media got you very excited that rates equal a a negative for equities because they're a competing market class. Um, We don't believe this is the case. We just see rates coming off the floor uh, due to historically high levels of fiscal and monetary support combined with all the fiscal spend that we've seen just in the first 100 days of Biden's presidency. Um, In essence, rates were moving up and they stopped moving up when the infrastructure bill was announced. That bill was a little smaller than people expected. It looks like a a buy on the rumor, sell on the news kind of reaction for rates. Um, And this is what I've talked about it again and again. Concern just dissipates and all the frenzy that people got uh, hyped up into ends up not mattering when it comes to your real investment. Okay, for the real news and what's ma- what really matters, uh, the vaccine rollout um, and, and what's happening with the pandemic. Uh, don't worry about the spikes in cases in certain areas of the country like Detroit. We're now at a point where 12 states have now fully reopened. They're still advising mask wear and so forth, but regardless, they're open. Restaurants are open. Gyms are open. Events are being scheduled. And July 4th should be great. We've got 100 million people already vaccinated in the U.S., That number should be 200 million people by around July 4th. That should get us most of the way to herd immunity. And we should see this this virus pass, which is, of course, a great moment in history, a great moment in humanity to be coming through this. And as a result, we're going to see a boom in economic activity. It's really exciting. And if you're owning investments and owning equities, get ready for a positive feedback loop of fundamentals in many industries across the board. Very hard not to be long in that environment, in our opinion, because you're just going to keep seeing good news where things are better week to week, month to month, quarter to quarter, and year to year. We believe you want to be invested in front of that generational high uh, economic growth of 6%. Incredible. 6% GDP growth is what we're now expecting in 2020 and into 2021. I say generational I'm 51 years old. That's the greatest GDP growth in my lifetime. So we we feel we're early in the cycle, about nine months in, early in the new bull market, about nine months in. You want to be invested early and in front of that generationally high economic growth that's coming down the pike. Okay, now to to frame up our, our how to be a better investor is our topic for the day. What we're going to talk about is how to approach investing and then some tricks of the trade that you can use in terms of looking at equities and how to look at them. In terms of how to be a better investor, the first thing you need to do is not listen to the market pundits. Don't listen to those people on TV. I know I've mentioned this before, but the vast majority of these people will come out and say that they're cautiously optimistic. This is like saying, if you ask someone about the weather, that it's going to be partly cloudy with a chance of showers. They're covering all their bases. This way, if the market goes down, they could say they were cautious. If the market goes up, they could say they were optimistic. They're not really making a stand. Also, uh, look out for when they say the market will be up or then it's, and then it's going to be down and then you're going to buy and whatever, or they're trying to call a correction. 
don't pay attention. I don't even have to look back and, and, and look at their track record anymore. I know what it is. They're not successful. It's impossible to, to consistently call corrections and rotations and movements in the market. You've got to get to a point in your investment life where you discount these things and you think far into the future about where the world is going and forget about the smaller gyrations, just like we explain with rates, just like we explain, explain with Johnson Johnson's vac uh, vaccine news. It's really noise in terms of where you want to go for the longer run. Um, this is something that's, that's taken off during the pandemic is day trading. The vast majority of people lose. The number is over 90% of people lose when they try and day trade. Do you know any zillionaire day traders? Exactly. You don't know any. Do you know zillionaire investors? You know a ton of them. And that's the point is you want to be an investor. Investing puts the odds in your favor. You're trying to make one good decision instead of lots of decisions back and forth and back and forth. It, what it does is it pulls the emotions out of the market. It pulls the anxiety out of the market and you're investing and it makes you more rational, makes you more focused for the long run. Okay, so what do you do? How do you approach things? You have to have a plan. You have to set goals of what you're trying to accomplish and you're trying to be disciplined. Okay, so how do we approach things? How do we invest? I know I've mentioned it before, but we love talking about it. What we're trying to do is create wealth over the long, all over the long run and do it in a diligent way. The way we do about, uh, go about it is we insist on long-term disruptions that are driving efficiencies into the economy. This is the creative destruction process that makes capitalism so great, is those efficiencies continuing to work their way. Now, we find these disruptions by insisting on growth. We only own the leaders of these particular disruptions because we want a best-in-class portfolio. And then we create a concentrated portfolio. We want our ideas to matter. We're fully in the United States for a reason. Innovation is best in the United States than it is anywhere else. We're all about a bunch of cowboys. We reward people that take risk. And we're smaller and mid-cap for a reason. Smaller companies have a lot better chance to, to double and triple than a larger company does. It's really just the, the uh, law of large numbers. And also, when you talk about disruptions this way, it makes you focus on the long run. Look at some of these long disruptions. Um, mobile financial services, where all banking goes onto your phone. E-commerce, I don't have to explain that to you. Virtual healthcare is where instead of seeing your doctor, you see them, you see them remotely. Uh, or uh, self-driving cars as we move on to an autonomous transportation network. These are all things that will come to reality because of the efficiencies they provide. How it happens and when it happens and the bumps along the road, I don't really know. But I know over the next one year, two years, five years, 10 years, these things will happen more and more because they're large industries undergoing a foundational change or undergoing a disruption to a better, cheaper way of doing things. And the market will keep trending that way. After you've done that, or after we've done that, we overlay a, overlay a host of disciplines about growth rates, about quantitative sellable disciplines. If a name goes up too much or down too much, we look at factor risks. We do all kinds of things to cage the portfolio. But the point of all of it is it's full of disciplines discipline in every way in order to set us up for the best success that we can have. Okay, so what are some of the other ways of investing? There's really lots of ways uh, of investing. There's quantitative methods um, where you use algorithms. 
There's value-based where you're, where you're using uh, a lot of valuation measures to come to, into what you should invest in. There's core where you're balancing growth and value. There's GARP, which is growth at a reasonable price where you're trying to own growth names, but only ones that you feel are, are, are reasonably valued. Uh, there's small cap approaches, large cap approaches. There's lots of things that ways to go about it. And I, I'm not, a, I don't begrudge any of these ways of doing things. There's, there's lots of different ways of doing things and lots of different ways of investing. The key is that you have to have a discipline and you have to stick to it. Whatever discipline works for you over time and no style, no matter what it is, not, not the style we run or any of the styles I mentioned works all the time. They move in and out of favor and you can't time it. You can't sell growth at the right time and then sell value at the right time and then move back into growth, you'll go nuts. You need to concentrate on one way of investment and get rid of all the noise that's out there and make sure that it doesn't upend what you're trying to do. Again, it's that focus on the long run in order to remove emotions, remove the times when things are irrational and it helps you deal with anxiety and that desire to chase. And then finally, um, changes in business models. This is something that I think is happening in banking, and I've talked about it before. I saw earlier this week, uh, Jamie Dimon, chairman of JP Morgan, came out and talked about financial uh, services being in complete upheaval because of the disruption that they're undergoing to mobile financial solutions. Um, I look at this and think that all of the regional banks out there, which, by the way, make up about a quarter of all the value indices, are are under stress. And it's because their business model is changing. People aren't going to be going into those bank branches as often as they used to. And competition on people's mobile phones is heightened. So in general, when you see business models changing like that, be careful. That means assets are in the wrong place. And that means that people need to change up. Okay. Another tip is to treat the market as a living thing. I'm not kidding. This is not a science this isn't something that is just two plus two equals four. If so, every algorithm would be able to do it. There's a lot of emotions that are involved, a lot of unpredictability, a lot of things that have happened that never happened before. And really, there's a zillion different reasons as to why the market can move in any direction. I'm sure you've heard that the market could be irrational longer than you can remain solvent before. Um, it's true. You may think that you're right, but the market could move against you in ways that you can't imagine. So um, you have to understand that. And that's why all those disciplines need to, need to be in place um, when you do invest um, in a particular area. And again, that's why we pick a long-term direction in the market and use a lot of disciplines when approaching it, um, it when it comes to dealing with the market in general. Um, another tip, if you've missed out on something and there's been a big move, don't chase. The market often gives you a second chance, not every time, but I would say in the vast majority of indices, it comes back to, to cover that gap that it had to the upside or that gap in the downside or what have you. You often get a second chance when it comes to the market. Uh, next, the reaction to the news is more important than the news itself. So just think about that. If you have a name that's done particularly well and it's had a very strong move, and expectations are high, and then the news is really good. They beat numbers, they raised expectation, and the stock goes down, that's unnerving. It means all the good news is in the stock. So pay attention how the name works after the news. Similarly, that works when the, when the, when the stock is down. If it's fallen by a huge amount, and they miss numbers, and they lower guidance, and the stock goes up, that's your sign that all of the bad news is in. So watch carefully in respect to how each name responds to the news that it has. 
Okay. Another one is the close is more important than the open. Uh, the open is typically dominated by retail traders. Uh, the business news is more popular to watch in the morning. Retail traders watch it and then they jump in excited to get involved in the day, buying and selling um, whatever it may, may be. I mentioned earlier in the podcast about people selling on Johnson Johnson vaccine being paused. This is a terrific example where retail investors are hitting the sell button on the first piece of news that you see. Institutional investors don't invest like that. They're buying or selling names, uh, not in smaller amounts, but by tens or hundreds of thousands of shares, sometimes millions of shares. And that's why the close is more important, because they'll, they'll typically finish trades into the close in terms of what they want to sell or what they want to get off or onto their books. So pay attention to the close and how that particular name is acting at that point. Another area, technics, technicals are your friend. I'm not saying everybody needs to be a technician and you need to know every different uh, moving average and head and shoulders and, and so forth, but learn about bases, understand resistance and support uh, levels. I love it when a name comes out of a, a long-term base that they've had for two or three years while their fundamentals have been strong over those two or three year periods of time. Uh, that's just ter a terrific time to invest. There's no momentum. The names aren't extended. Uh, the, the people that have been selling at that certain level at the top of that, that base have, have all been removed. So uh, learn technicals uh, to a rudimentary degree. Everyone else is looking at them. I promise you look at the charts. It's an important tip for how to understand how to deal with different things. And then finally, ignore the bears. The bears are wrong the vast majority of the time. Uh, go back and look. Whenever you see someone come on and say the market's going down, look at their past track record or just look at the, the charts of, of all equity averages over the last 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, 100 years. They're all up, all of them across the board. And it's because the system is geared for the, for the equity markets to go up. Yes, it's geared, whether you're a bank or whether you're a broker, whether you're an investor or whether you're a politician or whether you're running the Fed, you're trying to create a conducive environment to growth within the economy. And that means higher equity prices over time. So if you're bearish, you're going against the long term tide for where equities eventually go. And if you are being bearish, you're really trying to make a timing call. And as you know, I don't like to, to think about timing. I like to be focused on the, on the long run. Thank you for spending the time to listen in. Tune in next week to, or in two weeks from now to listen to how I break down a different investment styles and why we love growth investing the most, of course. Um, and thanks again for listening in. It's an exciting time to be an investor. This recording is intended for financial professionals and institutional investors only. This is not intended for use with the general public. The views expressed in this podcast represent those of the speaker and are subject to change. Nothing presented should be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell any security or follow any investment technique or strategy and does not constitute advice, an advertisement, an invitation, a confirmation, an offer or a solicitation to engage in any investment activity or an offer of any banking or financial service. Throughout this presentation, various securities and companies are referenced. Examples given are for illustrative purposes only and were not chosen based on performance. This is not a recommendation to buy or sell any security. Investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal. 
All examples herein are for illustrative purposes only, and there can be no assurance that any particular investment objectives will be realized or any investment strategy seeking to achieve such objective will be successful. Past performance is not a reliable indication of future performance. Before acting on any information, you should consider the appropriateness of it with regard to your particular objectives, financial situation and needs, and seek advice. No representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made as to the accuracy or completeness of the information, opinions, and conclusions presented. In preparing this recording, Reliance has been placed without independent verification on the accuracy and the completeness of all information available from external sources. Macquarie Asset Management is the marketing name for the Asset Management Division of Macquarie Group. Investment products and advisory services are distributed and offered by and referred through affiliates, which include Delaware Distributors LP, a registered broker-dealer and member of the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, and Macquarie Investment Management Business Trust, a Securities and Exchange Commission registered investment advisor. Investment advisory services are provided by a series of Macquarie Investment Management Business Trusts. Other than Macquarie Bank Limited, none of the entities noted in this podcast are authorized deposit-taking institutions for the purposes of the Banking Act of 1959 from the Commonwealth of Australia. The obligations of these entities do not represent deposits or other liabilities of Macquarie Bank Limited. Macquarie Bank Limited does not guarantee or otherwise provide assurance in respect of the obligations of these entities unless noted otherwise.